this morning I have a message taken from uh, from the book of Hebrews. Okay, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, reading from, uh, reading from verses 1 and part of uh, verse 3. Therefore, we should be more attentive to what we have heard, lest we drift away. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Therefore, we should be more attentive to what we have heard, lest we drift away. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Uh, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word to us this morning. We believe, O oh God, that you have something for each one of us, O oh God. No matter how many years we have been a Christian, Lord, we believe, O oh God, that Today you have a word for our lives, and we pray, O oh God, that you anoint the word, your servant, O oh God, as it brings forth your word, let it come forth with clarity, O oh God. O oh God, we just pray for open hearts, that Father, your people will receive the word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Uh, the title of my message today is The Danger of Drifting. The Danger of Dif Drifting. Uh, recently, about a week ago, you would have read in the papers about a New Zealand fisherman pulled an 18-month-old baby from the sea after the boy escaped from his parents' uh, tent during a camp trip. This man was fishing on 26th of October in the early morning when he spotted a baby floating near his fishing line. As the baby floated, he thought it was, a, it was just a doll. The man said, Even as I reached out and grabbed the baby by the arm, I still thought it was a doll. He said the child looked like a porcelain like porcelain, and his short, wet hair was stuck to his face. He let out a little squeak, and I thought, Oh God, this is a baby, and it's still alive. The baby was taken to hospital, but was allowed home later that day. And according to the owner of the holiday camp, this little baby boy had been so excited to be on the beach that he undid the... Uh, tent zip and wandered into the oceans while his parents were asleep. Uh, I don't know whether you have read about this. It was in the uh, Star Paper also. Uh, but it's a true story, yeah? so it's not a fake news. Huh? Okay. And similar to this story of the little boy, we hear stories of, of people who got too far away from the shore and drifted out to sea. Or of a, we would have also heard of a boat and crew that became stranded at sea. And without an anchor, the boat drifted. 
And today, we want to see the writer of Hebrews, and he's saying that those who hear the gospel must give most serious attention to it and not drift away. And some of us who are, who are many years in, in the Lord, we may think, oh, this message doesn't apply to me. It only applies for those who are backsliding or those uh, Christians who do not take the, uh, their salvation seriously. But I believe each one of us need to take this message seriously because we can be so busy in ministry and especially for pastors and leaders, we, uh, you know, you, uh, we would rather be involved in ministry, we would rather be doing things, visiting people, uh, conducting funerals and wake services and uh, weddings, but at times we also uh, can drift away from the center, you know, from our foundation. The writer of Hebrews writes this, that those who hear the gospel must give more serious attention to it and not drift away. He warns believers about the danger of spiritual drifting. And what is spiritual drifting? Spiritual drifting is drifting away from intimate fellowship with God. Spiritual drifting is drifting away from intimate fellowship with God. Spiritual drifting happens mainly for one reason, and that is neglect. And that is the reason why the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 2, verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Far too many believers start out very strong in faith, yet they drift away when things become heavy for them. When things and challenges get tough in their life, or even when blessings come, even when prosperity comes, the Bible tells us to pay closer attention to the salvation. Christ demonstrated His unstoppable love for us. The team for GT this year is unstoppable love. And Christ demonstrated His unstoppable love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for each one of us. My sin was great, but His love was greater. And that is all about unstoppable love. So therefore, our salvation is a great, great salvation. And we cannot neglect this salvation that God has given each one of us. Because neglecting it could bring very serious consequences. And some of us seated here could be searching for answers. And maybe till today, God may not have answered your prayer. But do not give up. You know, we sang... Uh, the song, you know, uh, Good, Good Father. Indeed, God is a good, good Father. His ways are perfect. He knows what we go through. He knows what, uh, what ha whatever happens in our life, He knows. And He is in control as long as you and I are drawing close to Him. And drifting is a possibility in any Christian's life. Drifting from Christ doesn't happen overnight. Don't think that today, if you don't read your Bible, you are condemned. 
No, no, no. I'm not saying this. Uh, you're not condemned. Huh? Uh, so the, today, you, if you're uh, busy and you don't read your Bible, you're not condemned. And drifting doesn't happen overnight. It happens gradually. It's a result of slow, daily neglect. And no Christian has the premeditated intention of going away from the Lord. It sneaks up on a person. None of us will reject Jesus Christ as Lord. Today, if I ask any one of you here, I believe you will say you will never reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But we will neglect Him daily sometimes. In, uh, I've not put this scripture up there. Uh, uh, Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah, he laments this to the, pe the, uh, the people of Israel. For my people have committed two evil. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And then in uh, chapter 2, Verse 32, he says, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. You know, we can go days without number, without uh, praying, without reading His Word. And we don't feel convicted sometimes. You know, we will carry on doing every other thing. We will carry on doing ministry, ushering, and welcoming team. But there are times that we can just neglect Him without reading the Word of God and praying. We live in a different time and a different culture. But the danger of turning from Jesus is still very real. And we also need to take this warning to heart. And today, I want to give you a few reasons how to avoid drifting. How to avoid drifting? How can we avoid drifting? All this may sound basic to many of you, you know, and some of you may be doing it. But let this be a reminder to all of us that we should continue, you know, to pay greater attention to the things that we have heard. Spend there are many reasons why, how to avoid uh, drifting. But I just want to give you uh, three reasons. And the first thing, and the most important, I believe, is spend regular time in the Word of God and prayer. Spend regular time in the Word of God and prayer. Not your neighbor on the left and right. Ask them. Are you spending time in the Word of God and prayer? <laughs> but don't wait for a reply from them. <laughs> How do you know if you have drifted? You know you are drifting when God's Word is collecting dust. <laughs> when you can't remember the last time you got alone with God in prayer. And when your worship is lifeless, is dry, 
and you are just going through the motion. Some of us, I believe, have more than one copy of the Bible. But we only open it occasionally, maybe once a week or maybe once a month. It's not the number of Bibles that you have on your bookshelf that will determine that you are safe. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And see, as you take in the Word of God, your spirit becomes alive because the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, the more your intake of the Word of God, the more living or alive you are. The more of the presence of God you would be taking in to your life. And therefore, I want to encourage for those of you who are not reading your Bible regularly, make it a point, you know, to open your Word, open the Bible, and read it. And the best time for reading is, of course, we older generation will say the best time will be in the morning, 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, before you rush to, uh, to, off, to the office. The younger generation will prefer later at night because they go to bed much later. But whatever time that you, re uh, whatever time that you go to bed, whatever time that you wake up, make sure that you spend time reading the Word of God. Scripture is full of examples of men and women who started out strong in their faith but drifted towards the end. Samson was a, was a judge of Israel, gifted with great strength, yet he was spiritually weak and compromised. Solomon began his reign with humility and dependence upon the Lord. But the more wives he accumulated, he drifted. Joash was seven when he became king, was faithful, but then drifted. Demas, in the New Testament, D-E-M-A-S, Demas was a friend of the Apostle Paul and also a partner in the gospel. He fell in love with the things of the world, and he too drifted away. Neglect, neglect of the word of God and private and public prayer is the main cause of most spiritual drifting. And every believer knows that this is true. He or she has either experienced this drifting or has seen it in the lives of others. And I must admit, there are times, even in my own life, there are times that, you know, because of busyness, I have missed out on reading the Word of God. But then the Holy Spirit begins to convict me, and quickly I would run back to the Word of God and begin to pray and seek the Lord and ask Him, 
for His forgiveness. And some of you seated here may also have missed reading the Word of God, missed praying. Don't condemn yourself. But ask the Lord for forgiveness and get back into reading the Scriptures and prayer. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Like newborn babies. Bible tells us to be like newborn babies and none of us, you know, especially uh, those who are spiritual, spiritually mature don't want to be considered as babies. But here, Scripture tells us like newborn babies, that means every day be eager. Be hungry for the milk of the word that you may grow and become more and more spiritual, spiritually mature. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. One of the reasons why so many Christians grow in their walk with God is due to their hunger of God's word. Some years ago, uh, I, I had a couple whom I was discipling. And this couple, especially the man, was so hungry for God's Word. And uh, we will have the foundation class we start at, but uh, in my house, we have, used to have it in my house in Kajang. Uh, we uh, I will start the discipleship class from about 8.30 in the, uh, at night until uh, 9.30. But most of the days, I don't finish at 9.30 because they, are so, they were so hungry. Uh, for the Word of God, it will stretch sometimes until 12.30, 1.30 in the morning. And the next morning, uh, for them, they were not working at that time. So I was working. Uh, I, had, I hadn't become a full-time uh, worker yet. I, would get up, I had to get up at 5 in the morning, and my, I had to drive all the way to Shah Alam at 6 o'clock. But the joy of spending time with this couple was so awesome. You know why? Because they were hungry for God's Word. And because they were hungry, I too became so hungry. Not angry, huh? <laughs> you know, uh, and, and this couple, will, uh, they live, uh, their hometown was Penang, although now they live in Kajang. And uh, he would go to P uh, Penang uh, every now and then. And from Penang, he would call me to ask me about scripture verses. And his call, those days I know this data plan and all these things. Uh, uh, every minute counts for Maxis. Every minute, huh? uh, I think it's 13 cents, you know, 13 cents or 30 cents. And he will speak for hours, sometimes two, three hours, just asking me about the Bible. Uh, you know, and I, I enjoyed it. Also because I was not paying the bill, no? he is called, you know. <laughs> Uh, but I could see that, you know, that uh, he was so eager for the Word of God. And these are the individuals that you don't mind spending time and, uh, and sharing the Word, spending time uh, sitting with them and going through, you know, the discipleship class. Jesus regularly demonstrated the importance of spending time alone with his Father. Mark 1, chapter 35 says, In the morning rising up a great while before sunrise, 
he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. Jesus went to a solitary place. That means away from everybody. Many times we see in the scriptures that while Jesus was ministering to the crowd, the 5,000, the 3,000 multitudes, he will just withdraw himself from the crowd and go and seek the Father in prayer, in, in studying the Word of God, in, in just hearing the voice of the Father, being in the presence of the Father. That was the most important thing for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He ran away from the crowd to be with the Father. Today, we run after the crowds and we don't get the crowds. Jesus ran away from the crowd and he got the crowd. Sorry. First time using this. Huh? <laughs> in Luke chapter 6 verse 12, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. See, Jesus not only got up in the morning, but also he slept late, you know, like some of the younger generation, you know. Jesus went to bed late. He went to sleep late because all night in prayer, seeking God to ask God for his will. Jesus never did anything without the will of the Father, without the Father saying so. Every time that Jesus did something, the miracles that he performed was after he had heard from the Father. Jesus believed in the importance of putting his Father first. If Jesus did it, don't you think that you and I should also do it? The Bible says that if you seek me, you shall find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. Today, when we want coffee, we know where to go for coffee. When we want Starbucks coffee, we just need to Google and find out which is the nearest outlet, you know, and we can go and get our Starbucks coffee and enjoy it. We can seek very easily. When we are seeking and searching for durian, Musang King. Any durian. We know the nearest stall. And we will just sit at the stall, open the durian there, and eat the durian, those durians, in front view of everybody driving past us. And we are not concerned, we are not bothered. That is how we seek and search for the things that we desire, that the things that we want, we are willing to go about doing it. We seek and search for the things that we crave. Do we seek and search for the things of God, for the Word of God and prayer as much as we seek the things that are in this life? A seeker of God is one who seeks Him in secret. A seeker of God is one who seeks God in secret. 
even when the doors of the churches or even when the doors of the church is shut, he is still seeking God. One day, if Sunday we are not able to meet here, are we still seeking and searching for God? Are we still thirsting after Him? The Bible tells us to pray always. As a young Christian, the prayer meeting was one of the most important meetings. And some of us would have gone for overnight prayer meeting. I remember uh, some years ago, uh, many years ago, uh, many, many years ago, no, not some years ago, I think about uh, 30 years ago, you know, uh, we had our church in Paramount Garden. We had this overnight prayer meeting every Friday from uh, 10.30 at night until next morning, 5 a.m. No problem. We go. <laughs> we are so eager to go and pray and seek the Lord. Not praying for our needs, but praying for the nation, praying for revival for the nation, praying for other things. Today, even to come for a corporate prayer meeting, some of us find it difficult on Wednesday night. You know, there were times that we used to uh, leave our office at 6 p.m. You know, even if our boss tells us, you know, you have to stay back on Wednesday night, we'll say, tell the boss, sorry, I have to go for church corporate prayer meeting. That is more important than anything else. But today, if the boss tells us, stay back, we'll stay back, you know. I mean, I can understand if it's once in a, in a season or once in a year or a couple of times because the month ain't closing, they understand. I've been working in the corporate for 25 over years, so I understand. And I know what many of you go through. But it's coming for corporate prayer meeting on Wednesday, a priority in our lives. Do we make it a point to come and pray together with all the other saints on Wednesday evening? Sometimes even, uh, even if there's a traffic jam, we couldn't be bothered, you know. Uh, we leave at 6, you know, we don't mind uh, being in the traffic jam for two hours, you know, and we are still uh, early, you know, uh, for the prayer meeting. Today, you know, we need to ask ourselves, is prayer meeting or prayer in our, pri our private prayer, is it a priority in our own lives? Um, but I love to see uh, parents, you know, who are teaching their children at a very young age the Word of God and how to pray, you know. It's good to teach our children the Word of God at a very young age and also to pray together with them because as they grow older, it gets more and more difficult. When they are teenagers, they may not want to uh, have family prayer. So now is the time. Train up a child in the ways of the Lord and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, a few days ago, my uh, last week, sometime last week, my uh, like Pastor Michael said, I have a grand. We have a granddaughter, and her name is Emma. You know, whenever she uh, comes, uh, she would not want to sleep uh, when the, uh, when the, my son and my daughter-in-law comes over to stay uh, overnight at our house. She will not want to sleep with them, but she will want to sleep with us. 
Okay. And uh, what we usually do is we will read uh, some Bible stories and then pray with her. Okay. But sometimes we forget also. <laughs> and she will remind us, Grandpa, pray for Emma. And then after finishing, then she said, Grandpa, pray for milk. You know, you, uh, because they are, she has been taught to, uh, before uh, feeding, uh, before meals, to, uh, the parents will pray. And so she's telling me, Grandpa, pray for milk. Pray for the milk. I say, pray for milk. And then while praying, she'll, she'll tell me, Grandpa, close your eyes. <laughs> You know, it's good that we teach our children, you know, uh, the ways of the Lord at a young age. So, as they grow older, they will still be strong in the Lord. Our children, you now we have two, uh, uh, two boys, uh, young adults, uh, 29 and 26 today. You know, there are times our children, uh, they may waver and go out a little bit, you know. But as we continue to pray for our children, as we continue to lay hands and trust God for that God is able to do something in their life to bring them back, today, you know, they are serving, uh, not in GT, uh, but uh, they are in Kingdom City serving in the worship team, you know. And they also connect leaders. And today we see the passion and the hunger for God in their life, and truly we know that it is God who has done a good work. You know, the good work that He started in their lives, He will complete it. But you and I need to be faithful in our own prayer life because uh, they have seen their parents praying in the morning, seeking the Lord, and they too have followed the example. So I want to encourage all of us that you and I need to set examples for our children for people to see our lives, to see our... We, we don't go around boasting of it, but they, as, as they look at us in the home, they must see something different in our lives. If we as parents do not pray and read the Bible, how can our children follow the next generation? How are they going to learn God's Word? Uh, let me move on. The second point is meet regularly with believers, like what you all are doing now. You know, meeting regularly with uh, believers. That means we come together on a Sunday morning or on a Friday uh, cell meeting. Uh, every opportunity we meet. And this is a scripture, I think most of you will know the scripture. Hebrews 10, 25 says, Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but let us exhort one another, especially as you see the day approaching. What is this day? This is the day, the coming of the Lord, you know. Uh, exhort, encourage one another. So when you come here, don't just come here, you know, uh, shake hands with the ushers or with the pastors and rush off. Stay and see how you can bless others in the congregation. Talk to one or two more people. And bless them, you see? Bless them. Spend time. 
And the Bible tells us to uh, continue to meet together and do not forsake the local fellowship as some are doing. You know, some, of, some do not attend the Sunday celebration service, some do not attend Friday cell group, and even the prayer meeting. But so we need to encourage one another, be faithful. Because when we come together, we find strength, comfort, encouragement, nourishment, and joy in collective worship and service. And fellowship is one of the keys to spiritual growth. And what is fellowship? Fellowship is the sharing of our lives together. And it occurs when Christians share their walk with God in an atmosphere of love and respect. Fellowship is so vital that we cannot live for God by ourselves. No man is an island. We need each other. We need to uh, be around somebody to encourage, to speak into their life, to impact lives, to impart something into the lives of others. For some Christians, when it rains on a Sunday morning, they think it's spiritual warfare. That the enemy is bringing you know, hindrances into their life so that they cannot go to church. But no matter how much you pray, sometimes the rain doesn't stop. Sometimes it stops. You know, sometimes it doesn't stop. You see? So, all you need to do is get your umbrella and open the umbrella and go to your car and drive to church. No need to engage in spiritual warfare. <laughs> Even if you are going on a holiday, make it a point to attend church on Sundays. Find a church. When our children were uh, very much uh, smaller in primary school, uh, even in uh, lower secondary, whenever we go to uh, that time I was still not full-time yet. Uh, whenever we go on a holiday, we will make it a point on a, on a Saturday night, not them, but myself, huh? I will make it a point to look for a church in that, in that area where our hotel is. And there was once when we went to Cameron Highlands about uh, 12, 13 years ago, uh, there was no church at that time. I couldn't find any church any AG or any church. We only found one Chinese church, a gospel hall church. And I told my family, we are going to church in this Chinese church the next morning. So the next morning we went there. Everybody was there Chinese, you know, except us. <laughs> uh, no problem with that, no problem with that. But the service was also in Chinese. <laughs> uh, but because the, the pastor of the church, uh, he saw that we were here, Indians here, so he, uh, he tried to use a few, a little, a few words in English, you see. But basically, the sermon was in Chinese. And some of you may say, why waste time, you know, going to church when you don't understand anything? But that is not the point. The point is, you, uh, I feel, as a spiritual head, we need to set example for our children also to see that going to church is a priority. It's non-negotiable on a Sunday. Or even now we have Saturday service, no problem. But make it a point to be in church on, on Sunday. So after the service, we met up with the pastor. You know, a short uh, uh, time of fellowship we had. 
and then we left. But till today, I have not forgotten that that is a priority for me, you know, to be in church on a Sunday morning. Even when we go anywhere, even overseas, we make it a point to be in church on Sunday. And what about uh, cell group? Cell group is another place for meeting with believers. In fact, cell group is one of the best places where you can grow, uh, grow uh, spiritually and grow uh, and mature fast. You see, in a big church, you may not have opportunity to share the share with one another. And even if you want to open up, you feel uh, you feel intimidated. But in a small group fellowship. You feel very relaxed and you are able to share your heart with others. Last Friday, we were at a cell, uh, at a cell group uh, in the KL zone in Bangsa. There were only about five or six in the cell group. But I could really see the, the unity. I could see the bonding, of the strength of that small group. They were able to fellowship with one another. And we had a great time with the whole group. And that is what our group is about. You know, praying for one another, being accountable to one another. And some of you are not attending cell group. You are missing a lot in life. <laughs> when I was a one-year-old Christian, I was hiding away from cell group because I was afraid that I I would have to go to a, meet, uh, a, a small house meeting and then they will ask me to share something, you know. I was afraid. And because of that, I, I delayed going for cell group for many months until one fine day I decided, this is it. I will have to go, you know. So when I went, that was in 1983. 1983. Some of you were not even born. Okay. 1983. And, and I then realized that that is a place, the cell group is a place in Paramount Garden. That's a place that I grew so fast. I learned a lot. Until today, my spiritual parents, my first cell leader, they, are in, uh, they have migrated to Perth. But every year they come back, we, meet, we never fail to meet up with them. And that is how strong that bonding is. And, to, and today, I just want to encourage uh, each one of you if you're not attending, for a, attending a cell, look out for a cell within your, your vicinity and go. Go. Make it a point to go and attend. And I hear some people uh, staying in PJ, they go to the cell in Pandan, Perdana. Whoa. It really surprises me. They are willing to drive through the traffic jam on a Friday evening to go all the way. And that is because they have been established in that cell. And some of you, you know, you don't feel, you know, why travel so far. But you ask them, they will tell you why the difference. And I want to just uh, uh, share a testimony with you all. My sister-in-law lives in Adelaide. My wife's sister, younger sister. And she, uh, two, uh, three years ago, she was diagnosed with lung cancer, fourth stage. And the doctors gave her about six months to a year to live with best, all the best treatment in Australia, uh, with chemo tablets. 
But most of all, it was the cell group, you know, that came every week or sometimes even uh, twice a week to pray alongside with her, to pray with her and to lift her up in prayer. The church was there for her. And today, the uh, tumor that was 7 cm at that time, uh, three years ago, today is uh, less than 1.9 cm. You see? And it's all because of the prayer of the saints. God is a good, good father. You see? But you and I need to belong to that small group. Amen? Okay, I need to move on. Huh? Sorry. Huh? <laughs> There's so much to say, but... <laughs> Finally, the danger of compromise can cause us also to drift. Uh, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Another part of Scripture it says, anyone who loves the world is an enemy of God. Anyone who loves the world is an enemy of God. The devil tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. In, we read that in Matthew chapter 4. And especially the, uh, the third temptation, when the uh, devil came up to Jesus and said, all these things I will give you if you will fall down, or if you will bow down and worship me. And today the enemy tries the same tactics, the same schemes on all of us. No one is exempted. No pastor is exempted, but he tries the same strategies upon us. And we get ourselves so busy, you know, in the world, we fail to realize that food, clothing, shelter are enough when coupled with God's blessing. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Lack of contentment with what we have could also be the major cause for us to neglect our salvation. Sometimes when you take overtime or a second job, not so much because we cannot meet our needs, but because we need the extra to meet our wants. And there is the danger of drifting. When we do that, you know, the, I, I, I perfectly understand if there, uh, if there are individuals who are just making ends meet and they have to take a second job, I can understand that. But what about others, you know? You know, you have enough. But, and you know you're also fighting for time and you want to take another job or part-time, you know, you want to do something. And, you know, if you get into that part-time, you have to sacrifice something else. There's an opportunity cost there. And you have to give up something. And what is that something that you would give up? It's usually reading the word, spending time with the Lord in prayer. You become so busy and get callous and forget what is truly important. The Bible tells us to seek things that are above, 
not on things on the earth. The Apostle Paul says, no civilian gets, no soldier gets entangled with civilian affairs. No soldier gets entangled with civilian affairs or civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Today, is the master who has called us. We want to please him. Christians need to remember that they have died to sin once to this world and to the rat race that so many of us get caught in. We need to remember that the earth is our temporary home and heaven should be our permanent home. Of course, living in this world has so much to offer. And in this present age, the choice you and I face is not heaven or hell. If given a choice between heaven or hell, who would want to choose hell? No one. But given a choice between heaven and earth, it becomes more difficult because earth has so much to offer all of us. And we have to make choices in this life. No one can make the choice for us. Only you and I have to make the choice. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Even as I conclude this message, drifting is a very deadly thing in the life of a Christian. And how to avoid drifting? I gave three reasons. Spending time, regular time with God in reading the word and prayer is one way that we can avoid drifting. Meeting regularly together to encourage one another is another way. And another way that we need to be careful is avoid compromise because the world has so much to offer us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That unstoppable love that God demonstrated toward each one of us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The salvation that God has given us is precious. And how can we neglect it? Let's all stand.